My name is Emily Hines, and I attend Houston City Council meetings and take notes. And now I'm sharing those notes with you. Today's notes are from the council meeting on May 24th, 2023. First up, the mayor's report. Mayor Turner invited Jay Kent Friedman from the Harris County Houston Sports Authority and Chris Kennedy, chair of the World Cup host committee, to give us a World Cup update. In case you hadn't heard, the 2026 World Cup will be hosted by some of the Americas. Three cities in Mexico, 11 U.S. cities, including Houston, and two Canadian cities. Houston expects to host five to eight games, but we won't know much more than that until the qualifiers begin in 2025. The games will take place in June and July of 2026. The committee expects a $1.3 billion boon to Houston's economy. Kennedy highlighted efforts to combat human trafficking and boost sustainability, but also the intention to elevate football with inner city youth. Much of soccer in the States is a pay-to-play situation that is popular in the suburbs, but urban areas don't have as much soccer, and especially not at the same caliber. No large capital projects like new stadiums are needed. The games will be at Energy Stadium and UH and Bryce have both been tapped as player training fields. Mayor Turner talked about how sporting events like this are part of Houston's larger ecosystem. Without investment in infrastructure and public safety and more, we wouldn't attract such events, which are a boon to our economy. So you see it is cyclical. There will also be free screenings of the games at parks around the city. Moving on from the World Cup, Shell is sponsoring the 4th of July Freedom Over Texas celebration this year at Eleanor Tinsley Park Neighborhood, not Neighborhood, Neighborhood Fireworks are still illegal. There is a One Safe Summer Parks program unveiling on May 27th at Townwood Park. They're really going all in with the One Safe branding. Greater Houston Partnership reports that unemployment in Houston is at a record low 4% in April of 2023. Hire Houston Youth, the city's public-private partnership to hire 16- to 24-year-old people to paid summer jobs and internships, is seeking applicants, and the website is hirehoustonyouth.org. Remarking on the legislative session, Mayor Turner said, Riley, it has been a session. Turner said that nothing compares with the adverse consequences of this legislative humdinger. Houston and Harris County have been specifically targeted, and Turner said, Quote, if it's good for one city, it should be good for all, end quote. He defended his work building up Houston's financial situation, such as the large fund balance and pension and OPEB reform. He commented on binding arbitration the state has forced on the city with the firefighters union, even though this year the firefighters will get the final increase of their 18% pay raise. He vaguely critiqued candidates who advocate for using the fund balance to pay firefighters, but he did not name any names. Finally, Turner remarked on the one-year anniversary of the Uvalde shooting at Robb Elementary. He said, quote, I hope we never get numb to these situations, end quote. And he offered thoughts and prayers, although he did say the victims and their families deserve much more than that. Councilmember Kubosh pointed out that the state is sending $1.3 billion to the Houston First Corporation. Mayor Turner said, A, it's still in the works. B, it would just equalize us with the level of assistance Austin and Dallas get. And C, implied that we should have gotten it at the same time they did originally. Councilmember Gallegos made a speech about how current state legislators ran on promises to fight crime, but instead have been attacking local control, drag shows, and trans kids. He also criticized legislators from our region who have not been very vocal in fighting such attacks. 
Mayor Turner highlighted House Bill 2127 or HB 2127, a super preemption bill that is on the way to the governor's desk for signature. Turner said the bill is so vague that he questions its constitutionality. I really recommend reading about that if you don't know what I'm talking about. Just use your internet search engine to look up HB 2127. It's all about uh, preempting local control uh, versus state level, and it's really interesting. Councilmember Evan Shabazz remarked on the hypocrisy of state officials constantly exalting states' rights and then working so hard to limit local control. Moving on from the mayor's report, the big ticket today was item 20, the BYOB ordinance. Item 20 approved the new BYOB ordinance, which will create a permit and regulations for establishments not licensed under the Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, or you might know it as the TABC but that instead allow patrons to bring in their own alcoholic beverages. Between 2020 and 2022, HPD responded to approximately 1,030 calls at BYOB establishments after 2 a.m. alone. These calls included aggravated assault, theft, weapons, violations, and even murder. BYOB places are often open later than 2 a.m. because they don't have to abide by TABC rules which increases the likelihood of criminal activity. That's a quote from the supporting document, not my words. Some of the new BYOB permit requirements are uh, the permit must be renewed annually. The owner and operator must pass a criminal history check. They have to have a certificate of occupancy. The owner, the operator, and the employees must all be 21 years or older. They have to have a security plan, which includes a mandatory metal detector or wand, exterior lighting, and cameras on the inside and the outside they have to have one security guard per every 100 patrons and they can have no alcohol on premises between the hours of 2 15 a.m to 7 a.m most days and then all day sunday so that sort of brings it in line with the tabc permitting councilmember kubosh tagged this item he has been contacted by lawyers of byob establishments who questioned the legitimacy of the ordinance and are threatening lawsuits Kubosh supports the ordinance, but wanted one more week to work out legal kinks. And then Councilmember Plummer joined his tag. It is relevant to the conversation to know that Kubosh and Plummer are both at-large council members rather than district council members. Councilmember Pollard asked Kubosh and Plummer to release their tags and defer to district council members who receive many calls regarding the BYOB and after-hours establishments in their districts. He said, we can't legislate based on fear of litigation and that community needs should come first. This ordinance is justified because there is no state or local ordinance that applies to BYOB establishments. He also said that this has been in the works for months and these issues should have been addressed during that time. Councilmember Thomas agreed with Pollard. She shared an anecdote about how long it took to shut down one BYOB place in District F. It was 18 months because they are unregulated and often nomadic. She conceded that it is noble to raise the litigation issue, but since council represents the people, it is their responsibility to act with the people's best interest at heart. She repeated that this ordinance has been in the works for years, not just months. Kubash's issues can and should have been worked out during that time. She said that people are worried for their lives and their safety and that people are even dying. They are not worried about whether the city will get sued. Many people remarked on the bad actors versus the good actors. Mayor Turner said they don't want to put anyone out of business and the good actors are already in compliance and won't be affected. There were also very big nothing good happens after midnight vibes throughout this whole conversation. 
Councilmember Gallegos lamented division amongst council, especially considering the state's attacks on local control during this legislative session. He referenced the committee meetings this ordinance was vetted at and suggested Kubash's concerns could have been met there. He used the phrase fight crime a lot, almost like he's campaigning for mayor and wants to make sure we all know that he intends to be tough on crime. Regarding the urgency of the ordinance, Councilmember Kamen cited the departments and law enforcement officials who are begging for it and noted that violent crime always goes up during the summer. She shared an anecdote about one place in District C that just locked the doors when HPD showed up to respond to a call, which also locked all of the patrons inside with no way to get out. The Texas Restaurant Association supports this ordinance because the businesses that are following the rules will not be affected. Kamen also pointed out that all of these issues Kubosh is bringing up were discussed at committee meetings and could have been resolved then. Kubosh explained that he does support this ordinance, but wanted more time to let legal double-check everything. On a personal note, I would like to say at no time during this very long discussion did legal say they wanted any more time. Kubosh said he doesn't know any of these bad actors people are talking about, which kind of made it seem like he was doubting their existence. Councilmember Plummer removed her tag because she was impressed by the energy and conversation. She pivoted to hoping that some of that same energy be directed towards an apartment inspection reform ordinance, which she has spent years advocating for, responding to district councilmembers' allegations that at-large councilmembers don't get the same calls they do. Complaining about BYOB establishments, Plummer strongly stated that she does get many calls about inhabitable apartment complexes, bad complex owners, negligent property managers, and deplorable living conditions. When others indicated that she should go through the proper channels, Plummer strongly stated that she has gone through the proper channels. She has called every single city council member. She has gone to the administration and regulatory affairs department. She has drafted an ordinance with the legal department. She has attempted budget amendments. Quote, I have done the work, end quote. She was clearly very upset by the lack of enthusiasm for apartment inspection reform, especially upsetting seeing the zeal that the BYOB ordinance has incurred. Mayor Turner told her one issue at a time, and they returned to the matter at hand. Despite much pressure, Kubosh maintained his tag and did not allow further discussion. But this story is not over yet. We've got a cliffhanger. We're going to wait until the very end of the episode to finish it up. We'll move on to agenda items, item 15, I mean agenda items besides the BYOB ordinance. Item 15 approved $858,000 to buy tests for monkeypox, COVID-19, and other infectious diseases for the health department, paid for by a grant from the CDC. Item 17 approved $67,000 for a fusion machine, and I was like, what is that? And I read about it, and it's not that exciting, but now you will also know about it because I have to know about it. It's a machine that fuses two to eight inch pipes together, and it will live at the Eastwater Purification Plant. You're welcome. Item 25 approved an additional $2.5 million for park renovations across the city. Costs have been escalating, as they do. Finally, we will go over the councilmember pop-off section. Councilmember Cisneros criticized the Uvalde Police Department and leadership. Then she said, quote, it's not just the guns. We are dealing with a mental health crisis, end quote. She blames drug use, poverty, and the pandemic as some of the factors that affect mental health and wants the state to fund those root causes. She said, there's been guns in our country always and referred to them as tools. But she said, something has happened here. We're sick and people aren't well and they're acting out, end quote. 
Councilmember Martin shared information about construction on the Kingwood Drive median from May 30th to June 20th. Councilmember Castix Tatum shared that the Westbury Pool will not be open this summer because of a repair that is estimated to cost up to $900,000, which is more than the city allotted for all pool repairs across the entire city in fiscal year 24. Mayor Turner has instructed the Parks Department to move forward with all pool repairs regardless of cost, which is very nice. And now, please brace yourselves for the exciting conclusion of the BYOB ordinance. During his section during pop-off, Councilmember Kubosh removed that dang tag after all. Classic Kubosh to make a big fuss and then concede in the end. His conditions were that Mayor Turner agree to adjust the ordinance if legal department deemed necessary, which is fundamentally how ordinances work, but okay. And he wanted the mayor to shorten his 60-day grace period to 30 days. Item 20 was unanimously approved. We now have a new BYOB ordinance. Directly afterwards, Councilmember Thomas said waterboarding works in reference to Councilmember Kubosh caving to the pressure from the other CMs. It makes me uncomfortable to make light of real-world torture techniques, but other people left. She dedicated $15,000 of her service funds for HPD overtime to support the BYOB ordinance. Councilmember Jackson shared success stories of last Saturday's Be Successful Second Chance Job Fair for people with a criminal record. 35 people were hired on the spot, and many more got help with record expungent resumes and more. Also, Meow Wolf breaks ground in Fifth Ward on Thursday. Councilmember Kamen recognized the Uvalde anniversary, and she shared information about the WOW roundabout at Blossom and Westcott, which will be under construction from June 1st through June 30th. Councilmember Pollard plugged the unveiling of a Vietnam Veterans Memorial on May 26th at 11 a.m., and he shared that the new anti-prostitution tactics on Bissonette between 59 and Beltway 8 have been successful. It sounds like they're just barricading the side streets and having more cops around, and uh, it's working. So that's it for this meeting. But budget season is going strong. You can check out our resources on that on my Instagram, which is at Emblees, and we'll link to it as well. I have attended one budget workshop so far, the one for the city council budget, which is very on brand for me, but I do have plans to attend a few more. I want to thank our Patreon supporters, and we have one new one. Thank you, Michael Moritz. We really appreciate it. If you think this project is worth supporting, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash emilytakesnotes, and you too could get a shout out on this very podcast. Also, thank you to ACLU Texas and Houston in Action for their support and to Tecolodal, who does the Spanish translations of these notes. This podcast has music by Joe Wozni, and it was produced by Connor Clifton. That's it for this week. I am Emily Hines, and I thank you for listening. Bye.